Thanks for listening to this Anchor Podcast produced by Cave Media for Great Commission Ministries. Please subscribe to this program available on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Kingdom Hero Blogcast in your podcast provider and hit the follow button. To read transcripts of these shows, just go to our website, KingdomHeroBlog.com. That's KingdomHeroBlog.com. And you can also submit questions or comments by using the contact form at KingdomHeroBlog.com slash contact. Again, thanks so much for listening, and please share this podcast with others. Welcome to another Kingdom Hero Blogcast. On this final episode of the year 2020, We're going to look at an important topic for those of us who call ourselves Christians. As many people prepare to head into a new year, they often make resolutions, things they intend to do or quit doing, goals to lose weight or eat better, or perhaps a pledge to simply live life more to its fullest. A lot of those well-meaning resolutionists, to coin a term, end up giving up on those goals that they set before the new year gets past the first two or three months. But this is a perfect time to talk about something that we all, as professing Christians, should strive toward, improving our walk with Christ, and in so doing, improving our witness to those around us. Have you ever received a rebuke or correction from someone? Of course you have. At some point in our lives, we all get set straight by our parents, our employers, or perhaps even by our peers. What about when it comes from a spiritual leader in our lives? How do we receive that rebuke? Do we take the correction to heart, or do we rebelliously reject it? We must choose. This is the topic of our show today, and as always, I invite your feedback, thoughts, and opinions. Send me a message through the contact form on my website at kingdomheroblog.com slash contact. Again, that's kingdomheroblog.com slash contact. And stand by as we close out the year with a bit of soul searching. Stick around. I'm Stace Massingill, and I'm just saying. The travesty of abortion has been accepted in our society for many decades, and it surely breaks the heart of God as it should break all of our hearts. Within the scope of the law, feelings do not matter at all. You cannot legislate based on emotion. There are those who are attempting to turn people's reliance away from God and back onto government. We need to view the actions of our government and its leaders through a very specific lens. Does what they do benefit we the people, or does it benefit them? We have to guard our hearts and stay rooted in the Word of God in order to recognize all the clever tricks of the enemy. I have to be honest here, this is one of those topics, again, that I personally have struggled with on numerous occasions in the past. Having served in the church for decades now, there have been a few times when a pastor has called me out on something that I was doing that I shouldn't have been. As a young man in my mid-twenties, I recall being corrected in church by a man who was my pastor at the time. Uh, Whether or not you'd agree with him doing that publicly is actually irrelevant. The point is that I was in the wrong 
and he was well within his right as my spiritual leader to rebuke me for it. Now, at the time, I didn't like it too much. I kind of resented it. I was young and still rather immature in my Christianity. So I focused initially way too much on how his correction made me feel. Still, he was right, and I eventually came to realize that. Let me give you another example of what I'm talking about. A man serving as an elder in the church was once faced with a situation where he had to choose to either do what is biblically right or do what he wanted to do. I highly respected this man, and I called him friend. But that never came into play. He chose poorly, let's just say. And so some correction was called for. He chose... There is a very clear way, according to Scripture, to handle matters like this in the church. That biblical protocol was followed to the letter, and still this man refused to do what was right. By the instruction in God's Word, the end result was that he was stripped of his leadership role in the church. He wasn't kicked out of the congregation or anything like that, but he could no longer serve as an elder. Now, this was a hard thing for everyone involved. The pastor and other elders followed what the Bible says and in the end had no choice but to do as the word instructs. Well, they had a choice, but not really. They didn't enjoy it one bit. No one liked what had to be done, but it was the right thing to do. People who profess to be Christians may be flawed and stumble on occasion, as I've mentioned many times before, but when, it, when that corrective instruction is brought into play, we must make a choice. Do what's right or deal with the consequences of going our own way. And in the end, isn't that what this life's journey is all about? We learn as we go, and we, when we're forced with an open rebuke for doing something wrong or something that is unbecoming as a Christian, we have to make a decision to do right or to go our own way and suffer the result. But I don't want to jump too far ahead. We'll come back to that thought a little later. Let's look at what the Bible says about correction. Even from our youth, we are instructed of right and wrong, and we get corrected along the way. We read in Proverbs 13:24, "Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him, or he who loves him disciplines him early." Now, this is referring to the rod of correction. Another passage says that the Lord chastises those whom he loves, meaning that he corrects those he loves. Again, it's one of those things that we know, but have to be reminded of over and over. Now, in 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17, it says, From childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, correction is an integral part of our existence and our growth and our walk with a holy God. Being holy himself, he requires us to be holy. 
That means we allow him to mold us, shape us, and build us into the men and women of God we're supposed to be. It also means that we have to accept his correction graciously as a child wanting to please the Father. Now, as children, we often would tend to whine and complain about being corrected. But as full-grown adults who are claiming to be Christians, we shouldn't be whining and complaining when we get that correction. We should be happy that he loves us enough to say, hey now, what you're doing isn't going to fly. You're my child. You need to do better. Well, some of you are parents yourselves. So think of this for a moment from the parental perspective. When you chastise your kids, your intent isn't to make them feel bad in general. Your intent is rather to make them feel bad about doing wrong as a means of encouraging them to do right. Come on, if we're doing something we know isn't pleasing to God, then we ought to immediately feel bad about it, right? So yeah, when you discipline your child, you want them to know deep down that what they did isn't acceptable behavior. You are instilling within them that conscience that, yes, makes them immediately feel bad about doing wrong so that they can learn to not repeat that mistake in the future. And that's exactly what God does when he corrects us. He does it because he loves us. He does it because he knows we can do better. He corrects us to help shape us into mature men and women in Christ. And let me just add this. We are never too old for God's correction. Hey everyone, we'll get back to the show in a moment. I just want to take this opportunity to quickly remind you that you can follow my podcast on multiple platforms right now. We are hosted on Anchor, but you can also find us on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and the list is always growing. Just go to your favorite podcast provider and type in a search for Kingdom Hero Blogcast. That's Blogcast, B-L-O-G-C-A-S-T. I know, I made up the word. It's okay. Go to the page and hit the follow button. As always, I thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that you will share this podcast with others by posting a link to our podcast page on your social media page. Help us spread the truth. Let's talk a little bit about some different ways that God can choose to correct us. He can do it directly through the Holy Spirit. If you have grown even a little bit in your Christian walk, then you have likely been rebuked right away by the Spirit of God living within you when you did something you shouldn't have. When the Holy Spirit bears witness with our own spirit in one of those occasions, that's when we hear that little voice inside us say, Whoa there. You really shouldn't have done that. You can call it conscience or whatever, but that is a direct result of the correction of God being applied to your life. Alternatively, he often will correct us through some other person in our lives. It could be someone we admire and respect, a friend, a co-worker, a boss, or a spiritual leader like a pastor. Now, I remember working at a restaurant uh, many years back being in, uh, I was in the back kitchen, 
at the time, and uh, I said something I really shouldn't have said while trying to be funny. Uh, and when a friend and co-worker turned to me and said, really, dude, is that how a Christian should act? Ironically, the guy saying this to me wasn't even a Christian himself, but he knew that I was, and he rightfully called me out on my inappropriate attempt at humor. He might have just been busting my chops, but I was immediately convicted because I knew that I could not defend my unfortunate words. In that moment, I suddenly realized that my witness as a Christian was seriously lacking And I had to respectfully admit to him, you know what, man, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. I meant it as a joke, but it actually wasn't funny at all. And I'm sorry. It was very humbling, to say the least. But being corrected should always make us humble ourselves. How about getting a rebuke from a pastor? Well, I've already mentioned one of the times that uh, happened to me personally and that was in my mid-20s. But even more recently, I was lightly chastised by my current pastor. Now, understand, I'm 50 years old, and my pastor is considerably younger than me. That doesn't matter, of course, but it's one of those things that Satan will use to drive a wedge of resentment between you and a spiritual leader if you give him the chance. What happened was we were at praise team practice one day, And I was in the AV booth, as usual, running the soundboard, and one of the musicians, a gentleman of more years than I, made a comment to me about a concept of sound engineering that I was well aware of, and my response came out a bit less than respectful. I said something like, I know, dude, I've been doing this for over 30 years. Uh, The pastor was within earshot and immediately said to me, well, now let's not be a smart aleck or something to that effect. Now, I could have taken further offense and rebelled toward my pastor, who I love and respect, but I thankfully knew better. I apologized. And that was that. Now, when faced with correction from a spiritual leader, We can sometimes allow ourselves to get our feelings hurt, which is not the intention or the purpose of correction. The truth is that those hurt feelings are actually a result of pride. The Holy Spirit convicts us, and then the devil whispers words in our ears that lead us to believe that we were wronged somehow by the one who rebuked us. No, no. My pastor was right to correct me, and he did it in a way that I knew he was simply trying to de-escalate a conversation in which I had responded badly. He pointed out my error to me, and I apologized. Honestly, I was grateful that he had done it because my words could have otherwise been hurtful to the musician I'd spoken them to, who happened to be another man I love and respect and call friend. Sometimes we just do dumb things and need someone to help us take a step back and see where we went wrong so so we can correct it ourselves. Another thing about correction is that it can happen anywhere and at any time. In today's modern technological world, our witness as Christians can be on constant and full display online. 
whether it's a video we upload, you know, something we share, or a, a social media post, or even a podcast like this one. It's easy to let our carnal side come out and be seen or read or heard by people all over the world. When we do that, we allow our fleshly nature to obscure our God-given righteousness, the righteousness afforded to us by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. When we show a worldly side of ourselves to others instead of a godly side, it does serious damage to our ability to reach people for Christ. Who's going to listen to someone talk about Jesus when that same someone is acting more like a sinner than a saint? Sure, we're not perfect yet, but don't let that be a crutch. If we are truly letting Jesus be the king of our lives, calling ourselves Christians, shouldn't we then be allowing God to correct us so that we can be effective witnesses for him? If I were to, as I admittedly have in the past, if I were to post something on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and it was something off-color or lewd or crude or vulgar or otherwise demonstrative of being more worldly than godly, and then one of my brothers or sisters in Christ or, say, a pastor or a spiritual leader were to see it and comment below it saying, hey, brother, that's, that's not being a good witness or words to that effect, what would be my response to that? Would I get offended or mad about it? Would I reject that rebuke outright? Would I ignore it? Would I make an excuse? Would I let the enemy whisper something in my ear and, and then think to myself, how dare they publicly correct me? Would I allow my feelings to be hurt because of pride? Well, hopefully, I would do none of those things. But all too often, we push aside the opportunity for spiritual growth in favor of being prideful and rebellious and stubborn. By the way, that's a natural progression the, uh, that pride leads to rebellion, and then that rebellion leads to separation from God. Remember the saying, pride comes before the fall. Do you know, I mean really understand, what a dangerous thing pride can be? Here are a few synonyms for the word pride. I want you to think about this. Listen to these words. Arrogance, conceit, haughtiness, self-exaltation. Now, think about how such an attitude is seen by God. The Bible says that he resists the proud. In the face of Almighty God, how can we ever allow ourselves to be so arrogant, so conceited and haughty that we would exalt ourselves or our own will so high as to supersede his. That's rebellion, folks. That's like telling God, hey, talk to the hand. Worse yet, it's like giving him the finger and saying, you know what, God, I'm the king of my own life. I'll just go ahead and do what I want, okay? Who among us would dare say something like that to God. But that's just what we're doing when we rebelliously and stubbornly reject his correction. We need to be 
careful not to respond badly to a righteous rebuke. And that's true whether it comes directly from God himself or indirectly through an intermediary. If God is dealing with you about something in your life that needs to change, whether it's an attitude or whatever, realize first of all that he wouldn't bother to correct you if he didn't love you. And that's huge. Don't just gloss over that point. I want you to hear that again and let it sink in. God would not bother with correcting you if he didn't love you. Friends, the love of God is not something to take lightly. His love is amazing. It's unconditional, unwavering, and it's completely unlike anything else you will ever experience. It's a hard thing to grasp, but we ought to spend more time trying to understand just how deep and wide and high and awesome God's love for us really is. If we did that, you know, really made an effort, then we would likely stumble a lot less. If we put our pride aside and stop to realize God's motivation for correcting us is indeed his incredible love for us then we would probably accept his correction and repent and align ourselves with his will, don't you think? And then also remember this, when he corrects us, he is training us to be righteous followers of Jesus. Correction is one of the ways he equips us to do his work. What's the goal? Winning souls for Christ. By correcting us, he helps us to be effective witnesses. We cannot hope to accomplish the great commission to reach the world with the gospel if we are stuck in our own immaturity as Christians. If we're still on milk like babies, rather than daily consuming the meat of his word, how can we be witnesses to anyone? If we are rebelliously rejecting God's correction and training, how can we ever hope to train anyone else in the ways of Christ? It simply can't be done. We need his correction, and we need to be able to accept it graciously and with a humble heart and with a teachable spirit. Let me ask you a question. Do you like this podcast? You can share it with others, but you can also send me a message. And you have a couple of choices in how to do that. First, if you go to KingdomHeroBlog.com slash contact, that's KingdomHeroBlog.com slash contact, you can submit a text message to me using the form on the contact page. Second, if you'd like to leave me a voice message, you can do that by going to Anchor.fm slash KingdomHero slash message and just follow the instructions there. Again, that's Anchor.fm slash KingdomHero slash message. Now, either way you do it, I'd love to hear from you. And you may even hear your comment, question, or message on a future podcast. So what are you waiting for? Go to KingdomHeroBlog.com slash contact to text me or anchor.fm slash KingdomHero slash message to leave a voice message and send me your feedback today. 
I touched on this earlier when I said we learn as we go, and when we are faced with an open rebuke for doing something wrong or something that's you know perhaps unbecoming as a Christian, we have to make a decision to do right or to go our own way and suffer the consequences. Well, that's what this journey through life, our Christian walk, is all about. It's a training ground. So uh, ask yourself, are you trainable? Or are you simply determined to go your own way? Now, when I was in basic training in the Army, I saw young men get washed out because they were untrainable. Um, For one reason or another, they just couldn't hack it. Either they were unwilling, you know, had too much pride to allow themselves to be shaped and molded by the drill sergeants, Or they were unable physically, which doesn't apply to our training as Christians, because God equips us with everything we need. But I saw a lot of mostly 17-year-old boys at boot camp who were just too stubborn for their own good. And at that age, you know, a lot of us tend to think that we know more than we do. (laughs) And many of these guys just said, no, I want to go my own way. Now, the book of Proverbs plainly tells us an important truth about this in Two verses, in fact, it actually says the exact same thing uh, in Proverbs fourteen twelve and Proverbs sixteen twenty five. Both say the following: There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty clear. As we go through life, there are many occasions when we come to a crossroad or a situation where we have to decide which way to go we can go our own way or we can go god's way most of the time if we're honest those two ways are totally different our carnal nature is going to pull us one direction when we should go the other this scripture says it in a manner that's easy to understand there's a way that seems right to us to our flesh but that way will lead us to death it will lead us away from god When his correction comes, we can either accept it graciously or we can reject it rebelliously. The choice is ours to make. One way leads to his favor and keeps us in his will and on the road to everlasting life. And the other way leads to a spiritual death and separation from God for all eternity. We need to make certain we choose wisely. You have chosen wisely. In Scripture, we see plenty of examples of people making bad choices and it leading to their demise. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were totally destroyed by God because of their sin. In Acts chapter 5, we read about Ananias and his wife Sapphira, uh, who sold a piece of property, holding back a portion for themselves, which would have been fine, except that they lied about it and misrepresented the portion they gave to the temple as though it were the full price they were giving, so that they would seem more righteous and generous by the people. They were each struck dead by God himself for this egregious act. But we also read about when people heeded the words of correction and were spared God's wrath. Remember the story of Jonah and the whale? Most people recall the amazing story of how Jonah initially refused to do as God instructed him. He didn't want to go preach to the Ninevites because they were so sinful. He hopped on a boat and headed the opposite direction. That was the bad choice. 
and God sent a storm that threatened the ship, so they all thought, well, God is mad. We need to throw someone overboard to appease him. They had some skewed idea of God, but Jonah knew why God had sent the storm. He had disobeyed the Lord. Then they all drew lots to see who would be thrown out of the boat, and Jonah got the short straw. So, splash, into the water he goes, only to be swallowed up by a huge whale. See how one bad decision going against the will of God can wreak all kinds of havoc on your life? So Jonah spends a few nights in the belly of the beast, literally, and he prays to God. He's sorry for his, you know, disobeying the Lord. Oh boy, is he sorry. And God sends a whale to cough Jonah up on the beach of, guess where? Nineveh. You can read this for yourself in the Bible. The, the book is called Jonah. I mean, it's not hard to find. And so Jonah goes on to preach to those awful, sinful Ninevites that God is going to rain down his fury upon them because of their evil ways. That's when something happened that Jonah didn't expect. See, these wicked people of Nineveh actually took Jonah's words of impending doom to heart. They heard him preach about this holy God who demands holiness, and they began to feel convicted. The story goes on to say that they even repented of their wickedness. This was the good decision. Many of them stripped off their clothing and began to wear sackcloth. They sat in ashes, weeping and truly regretting their sins. Their humble attitudes changed the heart of God. When he looked and saw how sorry the people of Nineveh were, how they discarded their pride and put on humility, how they repented and turned away from their sin, he had compassion on them. Instead of destroying them as planned, God spared them. And we can learn a valuable lesson from that. Of course, there's more to the story and to the book of Jonah and I would encourage you to read it for yourself, especially if you never have before. But I think the point here is pretty clear. The choices we make in this life can literally mean the difference between destruction and deliverance. And it, it truly is up to us. God gave us free will. I've heard people ask, why would a loving God send people to hell? But he doesn't send people to hell. People choose their own eternal destination when they choose to either accept or reject God's Son who came to deliver us from sin and from death itself. And while God is indeed loving, He's also holy and righteous. More than 600 times the word holy is used in the Bible, so it must be of some importance. And more than once, God says, you shall be holy because I am holy. Our choices indicate whether or not we are willing to be more like him. So when you are faced with a righteous rebuke, a correction from God, whether it comes directly from the Holy Spirit or from a friend, colleague, or pastor, how do you choose to respond? And what does your choice say about you and your willingness to become more like Jesus? Remember again, God corrects you because he loves you. And also remember how the Ninevites responded to Jonah's words by putting aside their pride 
and taking on humility instead, how willing are you to do the same? As we move into a new year, I sincerely hope you will give this matter some serious consideration. I'm Stace Massengill, and I'm just saying, may you have a very happy and blessed new year. Thanks for listening. Check out my website, KingdomHeroBlog.com. That's KingdomHeroBlog.com. Share with others and also leave a comment on the contact page of the site. Until next time, God bless you. And remember, you should try to live peaceably with man, but you got to give the devil hell.